power of the dark side. I'm not a baby, I'm a man. I am an anchor man. Is this a kissing book? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Hello and welcome along to episode 3 of series 3 of Just Like in the Movies brought to you by gkmedia.ie providing digital content and marketing solutions for SMEs throughout Ireland and the UK and just to let you know as well we can now provide aerial photography because we got a drone this Yay. week. Yay. We are mobile people. Yeah, <laughs> good fun with the toys. Every week we explore what is happening in the Irish film industry and beyond. I'm your host Gary Kelly joined as always by Dave Coyne. Good evening. And Lisa Tracy. Hello there. This week we are looking at the movies Can You Ever Forgive Me? If Beale Street Could Talk and The Mule with Clint Eastwood. First up, though, let's take a look at the movie from Morel Heller. Can you ever forgive me? You're friends with um, Julia Steinberg? Yeah. She's not an agent anymore. She died. She did? Jesus, that's young. Maybe she didn't die. Maybe she just moved back to the suburbs. I was confused there, too. That's right. She got married and had twins. Better to have died. Indeed. I've just come from having my teeth bleached. How do they look? Why would you do that? Oh, teeth are a dead giveaway. Okay. Did I buy you a drink? Even though you're the posh writer. Thank you. Craigie, yeah. top her up. Okay, big fan of Melissa McCarthy. Big fan of Richard E. Grant. Bigger fan of Richard E. Grant since he actually... Since the Hotel Secrets? No, no. D- did he retweet or like? <laughs> oh, since the Barbara Streisand thing. No, no. no s- the- I'm a big fan of Richard E. Grant since he actually <laughs> retweeted a tweet from iCinema who congratulated him for getting an Oscar nomination for <gasps> wow. Best Supporting Male Actor. Yeah. And I thought that's cool, you know, that's that he, deadly. you know, did yeah. that for a, a small Galway cinema. Media. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's nominated for an Oscar. Melissa McCarthy is nominated for an Oscar. And also the screenplay is nominated for an Oscar. And this is based on a true story. Mm-hmm. And it looks really good. You lucky guys got to see it. So Lisa, what did you make of it? I thought it was an excellent, well put together movie. If a little too much of the cats were in it. I don't Another like movie with cats. Another movie with cats. Oh no, Rabbits was the last one, wasn't it? Rabbits was the last one. This one was cats. Um, and and cat things and it was ugh. but anyway that was beside the point it was actually a really well well put together film really well well written and I love the whole the literary world that it showed like from the nineties or the what well, it was the eighties yeah. really was it it was the late eighties <coughs> yeah so I thought that was it was a pretty cool time in in the world and it was nice to see that kind of thing and Dave's gonna cough up along now. <coughs> <laughs> Sorry. Would you like Sorry. the water, sir? Yeah, I wouldn't mind, actually. <laughs> Pause. Pause. <laughs> so, Lisa, can you ever forgive me based on a true story about deception? Yes. Literary letters from famous authors to each other or to their friends. And this uh, Melissa McCarthy's character embellishes the letters and adds on like a PS such and such. Like one of them was PS, can you ever forgive me? And uh, and then she starts actually writing letters as she thinks they would be written by those people with using like the proper typewriters. And it's very kind of catch me if you can kind mm. of element to it. Um, and Richard E. Grant, like, I think he steals the show because he's very um, magnetic on screen. He's captivating and he's he's just a really, really good character, like well-rounded. You know, there's lots of layers to him that, you know, there's there's more to him than than, than he's portraying. But uh and then in the end, we find out that there is. So um, okay. it's it's actually really good. I really enjoyed it. 
I would, yeah, okay. Well, I know Melissa is, in, is more well known for <coughs> comedic roles. Mm. This is more serious. I had literally her. just watched Spy the, day, the night before. Oh, okay. God. And I had never seen that before. It was dear actually not God. that bad. Yeah. Oh, dear God. I <laughs> thought it would be worse, but it was actually not that bad. Yeah. And she's actually quite funny. But in this, she's like, it's, it's a serious role for her. And, you know, she's, she's very, very good at it. She's very good at serious roles. Like, I think from her Gilmore Girls days, she knows how to turn a, 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 a tear. Mm. But uh, yeah, so then the cat and, and all that incidents and I didn't like the cat uh, and I didn't care when it died. The end. <laughs> well, anyway. I'm an animal lover. Oh, uh, yes. I prefer dogs <laughs> to cats. But I did, I did, uh, that that part resonated with me because that was the last thing she had in her life, as it were. I mean, you know, the reason she's doing all this uh, forgery stuff that Lisa was outlining there is, you know, she, her her literary career has stalled. She had a book on the bestseller list and then she's down in the dumps and... Yeah. Like, you know, she's can't make rent. Yeah, she can't make rent. She's stealing people's coats because it's cold, not because she's a thief. And she has writer's block as well. Yeah, and she has writer's block and um, her agent won't return her calls. And she's you know, she, very funny. Yeah, it, it, it actually, there's a few yeah. moments of uh, levity in it, but Melissa McCarthy really, really knocks it out of the park. I mean, it's for a comedic actress who's primarily kind of slapstick falling down yeah. comedy, uh, you know, to go from bridesmaids mm. where they're defecating the street in their dresses to this is a serious leap and she makes it. She's yeah. uh, she's a credible, dramatic actress now as far as I'm concerned. Her performance was excellent. Um, as Lisa said, Richard E. Grant steals the show basically with Nail 30 years later. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a drunken rogue, homeless guy. and that was, that was my fear though. Is it quite similar to quite a few roles that he's played because of that movie well yeah but I mean he's he's typecast I'm sure when they read this they went right who do we get bang him you know yeah. if, if if I wrote in a script a guy who runs around a lot and saves the world every two weeks you're going to think hmm Tom Cruise you know it's yeah. just he 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 lived and ironically he's a teetotaler you yeah know? he's allergic to alcohol yeah he's yeah. allergic to alcohol and he's probably never had any alcohol in his life but um it's he had it once. Bruce Robinson made him drink for a Yeah, weekend. but he 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 does steal the show, as Lisa says, and um, it's a well put together film. It's not um, it's not a classic. It's not going to you know blow you away in terms of spectacle, but it's a good movie. It's, it's solid. A good solid movie. Good yeah. story, um, <clears throat> and um, I enjoyed it. This is an interesting little fact about the movie, which I didn't realize. There's a quite a few nods to Whitnell and I in it which was Richard's first feature film in 1987. You have him standing under an umbrella in the rain. You have him ordering two double whiskeys. You have him saying chin-chin and cleaning up a dirty kitchen and apartment that has rotting matter in it. Yeah. Oh, I, I but then again, that I could just be got typical reference. for a drunk as well. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's a, lot, there's a lot of tropes and cliches reused and they're mm. there. I mean, there's a scene where uh, Melissa McCarthy goes away and she leaves him, who's a homeless guy that she has befriended and they've kind of become... Uh, Housemates, housemates, and, confidants. and confidants, and they're you know they're in this little scheme together. And once she gets found out, she uses him as the front man to go and sell these fake literary works. And um, she's like, no, you know, feed my cat. My cat is very sick, and the cat is the only bit of love she has left in her life. And she's very lonely and grumpy and unhappy woman. And he's like, you know, feed my cat. There's the medicine, and you know, I'm I'm going away for two days, and you know, don't mess up my apartment. And he's like, yeah, yeah, no problem, absolutely. And of course, he with nails all over the place, and he brings back this. Um, young waiter that he's having an affair with and they have loads of cocaine and drink and they make a total mess of the apartment and then she comes in finds the cat dead he's like oh god oh Jesus and he's kind of oh god I'm so sorry and oh bugger you know this kind of stuff and it's it's very with Nelly yeah. you know but um, 
that doesn't detract in any way from the story. The story is about Melissa McCarthy's character, Lee Israel, which is just a very tragic character. She subsequently mm. died and she was an alcoholic. She was, and then, of course, when she was found out and the FBI stepped in, it's kind of strange that the FBI would get involved in yeah, such a thing. Yeah, we see it was a federal case after it went to California. Yeah. Um, oh, that's what I just deduced. I didn't get that from the movie. Yeah. yeah she, she's <laughs> so basically, if I was a famous actor and I died and I had a letter that says, how you, the weather's really bad here, she embellishes that letter to make, to make it, it more valuable because yeah. these, these things are traded and basically she gets blacklisted and the FBI get involved. But um, when she gets caught, she doesn't go to prison, but she almost goes to prison. She has to do community service. And, and six months of house arrest. Yeah, and probation, all this kind of yeah. stuff. But then she writes a book about it and it gets her creative juices flowing. So there's a bit of an uplift at the end. Okay, there you go. That is Can You Ever Forgive Me? Out of five. Always keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. We've got to put the star, I've got to get a star thing on the table <laughs> to remind them about the stars. Yeah. Lisa? 3.75? No, we're not too, you, you'd say okay, the fine. three or three okay, and a half. You can do halves. You can fine, do halves. I'll go, I'll go three and a half. Okay. Yeah. Why it's not a four? Because it didn't blow me away, as Dave said. It was, it was a solid movie, but it's, it wasn't like, wow, that was amazing. I need to see that again. It was like, yeah, I saw it. Do they deserve Oscars? It does for their performances, I think, for sure. Yeah, I think it deserves Oscars, but I think there are other movies that deserve the Oscars more, yes. if you know what I mean. There's just movies that are just further Edge up the road. Further. than the um, I think three and a half, I'm going to go three and a half as well. It's a solid movie. It's not a classic. If this movie was made 10 years ago, it would be a classic. But, it, you know, it's kind of familiar, but uh, three and a half stars for me. Yeah. Okay, excellent. Next up, we're looking at if Beale Street could talk from the director it was part of all the controversy at the Oscars last year oh, when yeah. Moonlight was the ultimate winner. God, was that only last year? A child is coming. It's your grandchild. I don't understand you. It's your grandchild. What difference does it make how he gets here? The child ain't got nothing to do with that. Ain't none of us got nothing to do with that. There you go. That's a clip from If Beale Street Could Talk. Now, while that clip was playing, Lisa, Moonlight? I didn't watch it. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, but I did watch If Beale Street Could Talk on the back of the fact that somebody told me Moonlight was amazing. So I went in with very high expectations in to see this film. It has also gotten three Oscar nominations. Of course Including Best Adapted Screenplay. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, you know by Lisa's tone if, <laughs> <laughs> if okay, she wasn't so, impressed at all. Yeah. Now, is so, there cats, dogs, rabbits? No, it's nothing like that. Okay. Nothing like that. That's no, probably it's worse. A very, <laughs> it's a very interesting film, but I think it's got like flashes of absolute genius and brilliance. But then it's got this awful long drawn out story of a guy behind bars and the girlfriend that he loves and she's having the baby and they're staring at each other all the time. And it's like, okay, how many more of these still shots can we take of people just staring lovingly at each other? And I was like, oh my God, seriously, (coughs) this movie is ridiculous because at the end of it, it was like, okay, fine. He took a plea bargain in the end. FYI, he was innocent man who was accused of rape and uh, the girl who accused him took off to Puerto Rico back to her home place and she was she only accused him because the cops brought him to her saying this is the guy that did it because the cop had a vendetta against the guy. So that's basically the gist of the end of the story. But the beginning of the story is is kind of like their love story. Well, the whole movie is their love story, but it's like she is telling it from her point of view and she, he's his name is Fanny 
and uh, her family are like super supportive and she's pregnant. She's 19 and uh, like they have this great scene build up like at the start of this 19 year old and she's telling them that she's pregnant and he's actually incarcerated at the time. And uh, he, she tells him, of course, and he's like very happy and all that. But she tells her family and her family are brilliant. They are like, this is like, what is the seven, the 60s, I think. Uh, kind of 60s, 70s and uh, in, Harlem. in Harlem. And it's it's really good. And then his parents um, are invited over and his sisters are invited over to hear the news. And there's a, just a really great scene with all the families together and the mom in law to be goes crazy and she's oh she's oh and then the father gets angry at her and he slaps her and it's it's all very dramatic and it's brilliant and you think this is going to be like a really dramatic story with like like loads of heartbreak and and then it, it just it just dies it just it's like him in jail and her mom is going to Puerto Rico to try and convince the the accuser um to come back and say that he's innocent because she knows he's innocent and that doesn't work it's, it's just going through clips from their life and their love story but it's not, it's kind of all over the place and there's just too much staring at each other. And by the end of it, I was like, oh, is that it? So is if, the, the if this movie? movie could talk. If this movie could talk, it would say, write me a better. Okay. Sorry. Ooh, but it's I up know. for... I know it is, but that's, I think that's because the it's Oscar probably on the back of Moonlight. It's on the back of Moonlight and also the fact that the Oscar people probably feel guilty about the whole Moonlight situation. Mm, would an issue be that you didn't connect with the characters? Uh, no, I connected with some of the characters in the movie, but it, just the two lead characters themselves, um, I just found them a little bit vapid or something, especially Fonny, because we don't see very much of him. You know, we see we see a bit of him, but he's behind the behind the glass screen all the time. And and there's a lot of slow mo and there's just just the whole, as I said before, the staring at each other is just <laughs> it's intense. And um, but it's not intense at the same time because it's not actually bringing you anywhere in the in the movie anyway sorry it's a very bad review of a movie but it's uh it's my opinion it wasn't great out of five two oh, that's harsh that i know is harsh i know it's harsh for an oscar nominated film yeah. you know. I know but like seriously the staring watch it don't watch it mm. make up your mind yourself maybe it's okay it's okay Two is two is, is is not that bad. Sorry. Was there people sobbing in the cinema? No, there was four people in the cinema, Ooh. and uh, two of them walked out halfway through. Ooh, yeah. Wow. Mm. They didn't stay for the end, and I was like, "Oh dear." Great. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Two out of five. Two out of five. Sorry. Okay, next up, we are looking at a movie that Dave wanted to see. Yeah. We didn't force him to, but I'm sure he was happy with his decision. The Mule, starring the one and only Clint Eastwood. Oh. Need help, sir? Oh, uh, officer, hi. You need help? Uh, no, no, I'm fine, thank you. What do you got there? Uh, well, pecans. i delivering pecans to my niece. And pecans? Yeah, pecans. She makes the worst pecan pie you've ever tasted. I feel sorry for her husband, but and I feel sorry for the pecans, too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it stars Clint Eastwood. Great actor, great director. He also directed this. He stars alongside another who I would now consider a great director, Bradley Cooper. Hey, hey. 90-year-old horticulturist and Korean War veteran is caught transporting three million worth of cocaine through Illinois for a Mexican drug cartel. And uh, he's not too far off it because this coming May, Clint turns 89. My God. Yep. 
Yeah, it's, nine. it was kind yeah. of um, uh, initially to see him so old and frail was kind of shocking. Okay. And it was a bit jarring. I was like, Jesus, Clint is, he's, he's looking a bit shook now. I mean, you know, he's nearly 90 and he's playing a 90 year old man and, you know, but the magic is still there. The looks are still there. The power, the charisma that makes him the Hollywood, le- the only Hollywood legend that's still alive, if you ask me. Mm. <laughs> this was the debate we were having on and, uh, you Messenger know, recently. Well, you know, he's, he's, he's a legend. Um, you know, two Oscar nominations for directing. Uh, sorry, two Oscar wins for directing. And he's one of the most iconic actors, created some, several iconic characters that are in the everyday lexicon. Do you feel lucky, etc., etc. Um, and the magic is still there. He's still Clint Eastwood. He's an old man, but um, it's just wonderful. And in terms of Lisa's uh, review of If Beale Street Could Talk and, you know, if she didn't really connect to the characters, mm. I literally watched this and said... When I'm 90, I'm going to do exactly that. Oh, I mean, no. I was just like, yeah, <laughs> not the drug, not the drug thing. All right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not the drug thing. But the, the, way he, the way he is. Um, he's a crotchety old man. He has alienated his wife, his daughter, and almost his granddaughter in an early scene. And there's like, you know, 12 years later situation at the beginning. And uh, he, are you going to alienate everyone in your life? Is it? That's why I don't and have be a crotchety <laughs> old man. No, I really. Get, when I'm seventy, it's just the crotchetiness is just going to get dialed up for the next twenty years. <laughs> and he's he, you know, he's a horticulturalist. He loves flowers. He's got this eccentric thing, and he's an award-winning horticulturalist. And he pours his, himself into that part of his life. Then, uh, fast forward t- twelve years in the movie, and he's um, his granddaughter has grown up. She's one of the few people who still talks to him in his family. His wife doesn't talk to him. His daughter, who is actually played by his real life daughter, Alison Eastwood, oh. she doesn't talk to him at all. Because in the first start of the movie, he he it's her wedding day, and he's supposed to give her away, and he forgets. <gasps> and he's in a bar ordering drinks for people, and the barmaid goes, uh, "So what about the wedding party?" And you're thinking, "Oh, he's going to see the wedding party, and he's going to twig it and go, oh God, I got to go from a wedding.'" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, them too." And he completely blanks his daughter's wedding because he's in his zone with his people and his his business and his work. And, uh, you know, 12 years later, his business is gone because of the financial crash or whatever. And he's kind of down on his luck. And he f- somehow, I won't go into the details, but he falls into this uh, drug mule where he just casually says to somebody, oh, I've never had a speeding ticket. I've been all over the country. You know, this truck is really good truck. And he drives and, you know, watches the speed limit. So the cartels go, hey, I'm going to use this guy as a mule and they slowly build him up over time to do these small little jobs, transporting a small bit of uh, drugs and another bit of drugs and another bit of drugs and this, you know, and he learns the, the ropes essentially and it's all these um, the Mexican drug lord guys and he's this old white guy who, he's, he's you know, Korean war veteran and he, there's a scene where he, he pulls over and there's a, an African American couple with their kid who don't know how to change a tire and the Mexican drug lords are following him, shadowing him, making sure he delivers the drugs and he's like, yeah, and he's helping them out to change a tire. And he's going, oh, you people are all, he's like, just like me. He's like, oh, you people are always on the phone and you don't know how to do anything in the world. And I'll change the tire for you. And I, you know, come on over here. And he says, no, I wouldn't say this, but he says, ah, you know, it's no problem. I like to help you, you, you Negro people. And they kind of pause and look at each other and go, sir, we don't want to be, we're just, you can call us black or just people, you know. So he's out of, you know, out of touch with time. Yeah. But he drives around in his van, in his car and he's just singing to himself and he doesn't really, he's polite to everybody and he's nice to everybody, but he doesn't really give a damn about much. And, um, but then his, uh, he's kind of a criminal philanthropist. So he, the, the club with the Korean War veteran club that he's part of get burns down. Oh no. And they're like, oh, well, if you got an extra 25 grand because the insurance company aren't going to help us out, 
cut to a big party. He's paying for the club to be refurbished from his drug oh. muling money. And then one of his daughters is getting married and they're struggling to get the money for that. And all of a sudden he's able to pay for that. And nobody knows mm. what's happening. And his wife is played by Diane Wiest who is, uh, looks fabulous in this movie and she's a great performance in this. And she hates him and she's given out to him in the screaming matches and everything. And then the big crescendo at the end of the movie, he has got this huge big drug shipment to deliver and she gets sick and she's going to die. And he just goes, yeah, I'm going. And he, he's on the phone to the granddaughter going, look, I can't go. And off he goes. And he's with her, he's with her in this lovely scene where she essentially dies and funeral and very t- uh, heartwarming and everything. But... Um, then there's this other story of Bradley Cooper, who's the agent, the FBI special agent, who's hunting him down and hunting down the cartels. And it's a very rich story. And the characterization of Clint Eastwood is at the center of this. The rest of it is all cliche, cliche, FBI mm. agent, drug dealers and helicopters and guys with tattoos and guns and blah, blah, blah. But Clint Eastwood holds this all together. It's a good movie. It's yeah, a good it sounds really good. And I mean, yeah. I went to see this on a Wednesday night and there was... 40, 50 people in the cinema and this film has been out for three, four weeks now. Wow. And uh, Clint has still got all the magic, the charisma, the sex appeal, the power, the lines, you know. There's a point where one guy puts a gun in his chest and he just kind of says, son, I've been in the Korean War, I'm 90, you're not intimidating me. Cool. And you're just like, yeah, that's Clint Eastwood right there. Um, and I hope it's not his last movie. I really do. Mm. Yeah, He's won he's four Oscars. a break. <clears throat> what does he want them for? Go on, have a guess. Directing, two directing, one for A Million Dollar Baby and one for Unforgiven and two for producing both of those films as well. So he produced and direct. He produces and directs. Did he not get anything for an, act- an actor at all? No. Not even Best Supporting? No, he huh. never did. Correct me if I'm wrong, Gary. You're the one looking at the yeah, computer. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm the just one looking using, at the answers, I'm just using yeah. my brain Best here. director, best picture for Unforgiven. So he's a producer and director twice and look at this guy he doesn't even have a computer in front of him I know but he is l- a computer <laughs> this is why you want me beside you at a table quiz but this is why you know he has longevity and it's you know a, a million dollar baby is 15 years ago and he's directing and he directed in the meantime American Sniper which was Oscar nominated yeah. and lots of other and things thing with Jake with, the, with the car um, Gran Torino Gran Torino which is yeah. also very good yeah. um, but it's, it's interesting Gran Torino you know, he's the grumpy old man. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, he's not grumpy. He's pleasant. He's like, he walks into this flower. I thought you said he was crotchety. No, no, no. Crotchety. Uh, as he's in, not grumpy. He's not grumpy. He's, he's, he just lives his own life. Yeah. He does his own thing. But he's very respectful to people. He gives people compliments. He, there's one lo- great scene in it where I laughed because I was like, yeah, I do that kind of nonsense. He walks into this uh, flower uh, conference, you know, conference about, you know, horticulturalists right and flowers everywhere and lots of old people and he walks up to this guy and he's like hey Earl how's it going and he's smiling messing he goes aren't you dead yet you know messing about two old guys messing and they're <laughs> ch- you know slagging and your man's like you know something Earl you're the same asshole you were last yeah. time you know good bit of banter yeah. and then he walks off and he's kind of owns the room and he walks up to this group of 60 to 70 year old ladies and like ladies you're on the wrong floor. Beauty pageants upstairs, two flights, and they <laughs> laugh. And he keeps walking, and then he wins a prize. And he's a very charismatic guy. Whereas Clint Eastwood doesn't normally play charismatic characters yeah, that yeah. are full of life, even yeah. though he is charismatic. So I thought it was a really nice um, swan song. Yeah, swan song. I hope it's not a swan song, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's it's a good movie. And uh, he even in scenes where he's you know being intimidated by drug cartel people, he's still a badass. You know. Cool. And uh, I enjoyed it. 
Out of five, Dave? Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> he, was a, he was about to walk away there. He was, here's me. I said, I said, I'll give him a shot. I'm going to, because as many of my friends know, I love Clint Eastwood. And um, I'm going to give it a solid four because it's, uh, it's quite an achievement for, uh, you know, a almost 90 year old actor to carry a movie like that. And literally, he still has, oozes charisma and charm and presence. And his voice is still good. The smiles, the looks, you know, the squinty mm. eyes are still there. So it's a good, solid four-star movie for me. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> are you glad you went to the other one, Lisa? No. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, we don't really... There isn't that much happening in the Irish film industry at the moment, it seems. All looking forward to Derry Girls, which should be yeah. back on TV in a few weeks' time. Yeah, genuinely looking forward to that. That's really good. And if we want to talk about Oscars... We could talk the about The latest story is that um, Queen are supposed to be opening it. Yeah. Brian May, Roger Taylor and Adam Lambert. But who's going to be... Who's going to have the microphone in their hand? Adam Lambert. Yeah. Ad, who's Adam Lambert? Adam Lambert. He won American Idol or something. He's the guy that is now on, on <coughs> tour with Queen. Just yeah. so you know, all Excuse the files me. in my brain that have anything to do with music get pushed out by movie files. Dates, okay. people, movies. That's why I'm on this show, people. I know ah. nothing about music. Final predictions for Best Picture. I made a mistake. I cancelled my Sky Movies or Sky Cinema subscription and then they said, yeah, that'll be turned off in a month's time. And then I was like, oh, damn it, the Oscars. So, but it's still on. So if Sky Movies are listening, thanks for the extra couple of days. They're still charging you for it. Don't, <laughs> probably, don't, yeah, probably, don't yeah. feel like they're not. But I think I'm probably going to be working from home on Monday. And as a result, I think I'll stay up late on Sunday and watch the Oscars. Cool. So the nominations for Best Picture, Black Panther. Great movie, but it's not going to win an Oscar. No. If it does, it's complete pandering. Black yeah. KK. Oh, Black Klansman. Black yeah. Klansman. That's yeah. very good. Yeah, that's Spike Lee. It's that's not going to get the Oscar. That's though. a maybe for me. Bohemian Rhapsody? No. No. No? No. Good okay. movie, but it's not going to win Best Picture. The Favourite? Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think that could win. It probably, probably will. will yeah. Green Book? I loved Green yeah, Book. Yeah, I love that too. That, yeah. that, those Green Book and Favourite so far for favorite. me. Roma? I haven't actually watched all of it. I've only started it. I haven't seen it. I must watch that. Netflix, yeah. yeah, I must watch that at the weekend. Star is Born? I loved it, but mm. I'm like the only one at this stage. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, but I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. And Vice. I loved Vice. Yeah, Vi- Vice, Green Book and The Favourite. Those are my three yeah. picks. And out of okay. those three, I'm going to say The Favourite. Okay, I think The Favourite will win. Ugh. Lisa, what do you think will win? Uh, I think The Favourite will win. And what would you like to win? Um, I would like Green Book to win. Dave? I agree 100%. I'd like, the gre- I'd like Green Book to win, but I think The Favourite will win. Okay. Yeah, for art purposes only. And I'd like A Star Is Born to win. Ooh, Ooh. controversial. Interesting. Well, it made me cry. Like, yeah, it, I just thought it was makes a me cry. really good movie. I've seen you cry. No, you haven't. Ah, listen here. No, you haven't. You when die. the nightclub doesn't let you in. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you put a few. You put too many Martoonies into her, and she'll cry. Believe me. No. Okay, anyways, in our next podcast, we will be looking back on the Oscars and discussing the highs and lows and, and, and so on. So thank you very much for listening to this week's episode of Just Like in the Movies. Uh, don't forget, we are on a number of streaming services like Spotify, SoundCloud, Podomatic, Stitcher and so on. Please do spread the word. Uh, do get in touch with us if you are enjoying the podcast. You can email us movies at gkmedia.ie. Dave Coyne, thank you very much. Pleasure as always. Lise Trace, thank you very much. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for listening and we'll talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.